Good evening, everyone. From my side, a warm welcome on this cold day. It's so interesting to me when weather is like this in Cape Town, it's like it's a ghost town. Everyone is away. Everyone is sitting either in front of a fireplace or they're like beneath thick blankets. And it's so funny if you ask any Capetonian, this is probably the coldest it gets anywhere in the world. But then when you ask anyone else, like we've got friends, a friend here tonight that I will introduce to you later from Baltimore. She's like, no, no, this is like a good day. This is a good day. You know, she, I saw her actually without a top on today. And I was like, yeah, we have it so good. We are so spoiled. But welcome um, to Prodeo today on this cool rainy day. We are so glad that you are with us as we continue our series, Marked by Love. If you have some friends, and there's a lot of them who's not here tonight, you can tell them that during the week they can go and listen to this um, on our website. Just click on Messages, and you can listen to this one or any of our previous messages in this series. In this series, Marked by Love, we're looking at the book of Mark, and we're working through this book to see who is this Jesus that we so often speak about, that Christians believe in. Who is he? And if we believe in him... How should he, the way he acted, the way he lived while he was on earth, how should that influence our life? So today for part five, I was thinking about one of my favorite ways to eat. And um, one of my favorite ways to have food with friends is a bring and braai. So bring and braai. So it means that everyone brings a piece of meat um, to put on the coals. Everyone brings a bowl of salad or veggies or something. It goes all on one big table. And it's always like a massive feast, right? It's, there's just too much of everything. There's a lot of meat. And you just don't eat your own meat. You just steal a piece from your friend as well. And he steals a piece of yours. And it's so good. And there's potato salad and there's potato bacon, everything with potatoes in it, and I love that. But there's always one or two people, there's always one or two people that don't bring anything to the bride except their own meat. So they bring their little piece of horse or choppies or something, they put them on the fire, and then they eat everyone else's salad and everyone else's veggies. And I always look at them, and I think like, there's some people who can't bring it for some reason, right? And we understand it. It, it might be a bachelor, and then the best kind of food that he can make for himself is two-minute noodles, I don't know. And, and you kind of understand it, but like, he could have at least brought a cool drink or some ice cream or something. But you get those people who just never bring something to the table, they, they're just comfortable that way. And that is our topic tonight, is what can you bring to the table? Because I don't want to invite you guys for the bring and bry, and then you don't bring something to the table. So tonight we're going to be talking about our fifth part of this series, Mark by Love. What can you bring to the table? And what we will be talking about is, if you see a need in the life of a friend, or you see a need in your own life, and it can be any kind of need, it can be a spiritual need, it can be a physical need. We live in a country with a lot of poverty and a lot of racial issues and a lot of crime. So there's so many opportunities, so many needs that we can always see around us immediately. But when you see a need in the life of someone else or a need in your own life, what can you bring to the table to help make that need a little softer, a little better. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to continue in Mark 6. We're skipping the chapter 5. Um, so if you've been following along, we encourage you to every week read the chapter that we're busy with, because we only read a little part of it, and you want to get the whole picture of who Jesus is. So um, if you were here last week, you've probably read chapter 4, and this week I want to encourage you to read two chapters, chapter 5 and 6. If you're jumping in now, you've got a lot of catching up to do, but you can still do it. So tonight, Mark 6, from verse 32, just a bit of background what's going on here, Jesus was healing people and doing miracles and preaching all over the place. 
And there were so many people, so many people came to Jesus because they had a need in their life. And everyone was just taking from Jesus, whether it was his teaching, whether it was his ability to heal people. Like just in the previous chapter, a woman came up to Jesus. She didn't even ask him if he would heal her. She just touched his robe and she was healed. So everyone was kind of taking from Jesus. And while Jesus was on earth, the Bible teaches us that he was 100% man and 100% God. So it means that he got tired just as you and I get tired. And Jesus got really tired and we read it in, in verse 30 and 31. And, he's, and they were so busy that they didn't even have time to eat, the Bible says. So then Jesus is like, okay, come on, let's go to a quiet place. Let's spend some, some quality time together as Jesus and his disciples, the people who were following him, the 12 guys that he were training. And um, let's just spend quality time and let's get um, refreshed a little bit. And then this happens, Mark 5 from verse 32. Oh, sorry, Mark 6 from verse 32. So they, that is Jesus and his 12 disciples, so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So they were seeing where these guys were heading with the boat, and they just ran around the shore. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Now remember, this Jesus is tired He wanted to spend some alone, some quality, some quiet time with his friends. But when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. This is not Cape Town. There's not restaurants open until 12 o'clock. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what they ask? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, Jesus asked them. Go and find out. So they came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told his disciples, he told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves. And this is not like a massive bread. It's almost like the size of a roll. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven. He blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. Now, five loaves of bread and two fish, how many people can that feed? Maybe like five, right? Maybe a little less. Afterwards, after everyone had enough, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 12 baskets. A total of 5,000 men and the families were fed. So this is one of the miracles that hit the disciples so hard. It was so crazy to them, so impressive, that in all four of the Gospels, so if you open your New Testament, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gospels are the four books that tells us about the life of Jesus, and all four of them have this miracle in there. So not all of them always have the same story, because we don't all tell the same thing the same way. We were all here tonight. Some of you might go home 
and you might post a picture or, or, or a video of the, of the music, and you're like, oh, the music was so good. Someone else might say, this was a message that really spoke to my heart. Someone else might say, the community was so good. I loved hanging out with friends. And another guy might say, you know what I loved about tonight the most was the coffee. The coffee was so good. So same thing, but we all reported it a little different, right? That's what happens in the four Gospels. All these people looked at Jesus. They wrote the same story about the same Jesus, but everyone had their own perspective. But this story, this miracle of Jesus impressed everyone so much that all for the Gospels recorded this specific miracle um, in it, the feeding of the 5,000. And it's not 5,000, it was 5,000 men with their families. So it means if there was 5,000 men, there were probably 5,000 women as well. So we were sitting at 10,000 people. That's no kids, okay? And people back then didn't have one or two kids. They had like 10 or 12 kids. So there was a lot of people that was fed that day. But what I want to do today is I want to look at the response to need that we see in the story. Because the story starts with Jesus that's really tired. So Jesus has a need in his own life to go and rest. Jesus has a need in his own life to spend quiet time with these disciples so that he could teach them, so that he could help them to understand who he is. And then we read Jesus, who's tired, goes to this quiet place. He looks like over the shore, and he sees a group of people. And these people had needs in their own life. Some of them were maybe sick. Some of them were spiritually hungry. Some of them were poor. Some of them maybe felt like no one would accept them. No one would love them. Some of them may be worried about the deadlines that they didn't make at work. Some of the farmers may have worried because they didn't get rain and they didn't know if their seeds would sprout. And everyone had a need. And Jesus, in his tiredness, looked at them and we read that he had compassion. It means his heart broke for them. He felt their pain. So Jesus immediately said, I'm tired, but I'm going to help these people. And immediately Jesus started teaching them. Jesus started meeting the need in their life. But we read about a second group of people who also encountered the need and a different kind of response. That's the disciples. The same disciples who's also tired, and who we know is hungry. How do we know it? Because we read in verse 31, you can go and read it there, that they didn't have time to eat. And then we read again that they are like, Jesus, send everyone home so that they can get food. It's like one of those things where you say, like, someone says, but actually you're referring to yourself, right? So they're like, Jesus, send them home so they can eat. Actually, what they're saying is, Jesus, we are so hungry. My stomach is eating my intestines. Like, just send them home so that we can get some food. They had a need, they were hungry, and they look out over this crowd of people, and they see a need in the people. They saw that the people were hungry as well, and they looked at it, and they felt not compassion, but constraint. They saw a lot of people, and they looked around, and they had no food, very little food. And they looked at their constraint, and instead of trying to help, they passed the responsibility. Like Jesus You do something about this. You send them home. You sort this problem out. And when I read these two different responses, I figure like so many of us do the same thing in life, right? A beggar comes knocking on your window and you might throw a two rand or a five rand at them. And that's not because we, t- we have compassion necessarily with them. That's not necessarily because we want to help someone. Often that is the easiest way to pass the buck and get them out of my life. Just say, there's a five-round, five-round, you go and sort out their problem. 
Or you might see a friend whose heart is broken because someone in their family died. And, and you're like, you know, I've got five minutes for you to just give you a shoulder, but then I'm out of here. I'm busy myself. I've got all kinds of stuff that I need to do as well. And it's so easy when you see need in this world and there's so much of it to just look at it and then to pass the buck. To say, like, this is not my responsibility. I'm not going to care about this because I've got enough of my own problems. A couple of years ago, before Yolanda and I decided we wanted to plant a church in Cape Town, some opportunities opened for us to uh, maybe go overseas as well. And a lot of our families and friends have immigrated. And we finally decided and felt very strongly that God has called us to stay in South Africa and make a difference specifically in Cape Town, where I believe it's one of the highest spiritual needs in our country. And um, a lot of people ask me, like, why we made that decision? Why didn't, why didn't we go for greener grass? Because the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And I said, I think the best place to be the church is where we can be the most obedient to God. And God said, if we love him, we will take care of the widows, and we will take care of the poor, and we will take care of the orphans. And I'm like, there's very few places in this world where there are 10% of the population, almost 10% that are orphaned. That's South Africa. There's very few places in the world where people face so much crazy crime and hunger and things as we face every day here. And this is the place where we've got the opportunity to make the biggest difference. But the reality is when we look around at the need, we pass it on. Why? Not just because of our own selfishness, but I read here a very specific reasons why the disciples felt they couldn't meet a need. They said to Jesus, Jesus told them, okay, if you see this need, you want to pass this buck. You want to say, like, let me take care of it. But I want to ask you, why don't you feed the people? Why don't you make a difference? And they said something. They said, we can work for months and not have enough to feed these people. Now, in the Greek, it, they said, even if we had 200 denarii, we couldn't feed them. And we know in the New Testament, one denarii was one day's wage. So they said, if I work for 200 days, so if we work for almost a year, we wouldn't have enough money to buy food for all these people. And by the way, they are not in a city. They are not at a, there's no McDonald's that they can quickly drive through and pick up 20,000 burgers. There is no Uber Eats that they can just message and say, like, deliver 10,000 sandwiches, okay? These guys were in a remote place. They didn't, even if they did have the money, where would they find food for all these people? So it's not just that they, that they were, that they had no compassion, but when they looked at the people, they saw constraints in their own life. They saw that they didn't have the ability to meet this massive need that just felt like it would drown out any effort that they would make. How often have you felt like that? How often have you said, like, one person can't make a difference anyway, right? Because there's so much need, there's so much craziness in our world. What can I do? Constraint, their own constraints had control over them, their own limitations. They felt like they didn't have enough. They thought they wouldn't find a place to get enough food, and they allowed their constraints to steal their compassion. Instead of trying to make a difference, instead of having so much compassion for the people in front of them, that they tried. That, they could, that they, even if they could feed someone, instead of doing that, they allowed the constraints to steal their passion, and they gave up. They said, Jesus, we can't do anything, so let's pass the baton, and you do something about it. Now, passing the baton is not wrong. 
but it depends on how we do it. So if you've ever seen a relay race, I used to run relay races when I was in school. It's four guys that run around the track. Each one runs his own part with a baton in his hand and, hand, and he would run. And at the right time, the guy in front of you would start running. And you have to hand this over at the right point in the right way. Otherwise, if you drop it, you're out. And these disciples weren't at the right place. It weren't the right time to hand it over. They just dropped it because they're like, we, don't, we can't run this race. This thing is too hard for us. It's too crazy. Our own lives are falling apart. I'm tired. I'm hungry. How am I supposed to help anyone else when I can't even help myself? But at the end of the day, when we allow our own limitations to limit us, we're not only limiting ourselves and what we can do, but we are limiting God as well. Not because God is limited, but we limit God to work through us. And we see that Jesus did something amazing. When these guys saw this need and they tried to give the responsibility to Jesus, Jesus tells them, whoa, whoa, you go and feed them. Don't send them away. You go and feed them. You saw the need. You, you've got the vision. You've got the job. You see the need to so go and do something about it. And often I've wondered why. Why did Jesus tell the disciples, go and do something about it? This is Jesus. He turned water into wine, barrels of water. He could have, he could have made it rain steaks and chips. He could have done whatever he wanted. Like food could have just appeared on the grass. This is the same God when the Israelites were, were um, in the desert who, who sent them manna. That we don't even know what it is. It was like a food that appeared specifically for them. God could have just sent manna again. Jesus didn't need the disciples to feed the people. He chooses to use the disciples. Not because he had to, because he wanted to. You see, because Jesus wanted the disciples to know that their hands could make a difference. And I want you to know that often we feel like we can't make a difference in this world. Often we feel like the needs around us are too big in our own families, in church, in our city, in our metro, in our province, in our country, that it just feels like I want to give up because I can't go on. But I want you to do something quickly. I want you to take your two hands like this in front of you. Just place them on your lap, palms up. And I want you to look at those two hands. And I want to tell you, those two hands that you are looking at can make a difference. And it's not just me saying that. That is what God wanted to show his disciples, that their own hands could make a difference. Jesus didn't need the hands of the disciples. He chose to use them. He chose to work through them. He chose to help the needs of other people through the hands of the Christians who followed him. And when Jesus left for heaven, guess what he did? He gathered those couple of guys together and he said, you know what? I want you to continue the mission that I started with. I want you to go with your two hands. I want you to go with your two feet. And I want you to go all across the world. And I want you to meet the needs of the people where they are at. What can 12 guys do? 11. Because one betrayed Jesus and killed himself. What can they do? We're here today, aren't we? 2,000 years later, we still remember their names. That's what 12 guys can do. Jesus wanted them to know that their hands could make a difference. And he doesn't just go, and he doesn't just say like, listen, I want to use you. And then he like, just like let it rain like manna into their hands so that they could go and hand it out. Now Jesus says, I want to use you, but, but I want to go a step further. So Jesus asked them in verse 38, this 
magic question. He tells them, how much do you have? How much you got? They're like, not a lot. He's like, go and find out. It's like, why did Jesus ask them how much they had? Like, Jesus didn't need five loaves of bread and two fish. Like, seriously, to feed all these people, he didn't need it. Whether it was five or one or zero, he could have just fed them anyway. He asked them, how much you got? And I think the reason for that is because God wanted them to know that whatever they had in their hands would be enough if they entrusted it to God. You see... We feel like we can't make a difference. We feel trapped by our own circumstances and needs in our own lives because we feel like I don't have enough skill to do anything about it. I feel like I don't have enough talents. I don't have enough gifts. I don't have enough money to get myself out of this mess. Never mind to help anyone else in this world. I do not have enough. I don't have what it takes. You see, but when God looks at us, when we look at ourselves, what do we see? We often see limitations. We see potential, and that's at times when we get all excited and when we, we want to conquer the world. But most of the time, we don't see potential. We see limitations. That's why we're all depressed and stressed and crazy things. But when God looks at us, He doesn't see limitations. When God looks at us, He sees potential in your gifts, in your talents, in your intellect, in the community in which you live and work and play. He sees potential in you. You have what it takes. The disciples had what it, ta- what it took. Five loaves, that's not enough. I wonder what they were thinking when they gave that to Jesus. Like, seriously, Jesus? Couldn't you have just like sent them home? Now you're going to shame all of us. Like, who's going to eat? The, the oldest people, the youngest, those who is already sweating blood because they're so hungry? Who's going to eat? But they gave it to Jesus. And Jesus said a prayer. And then again, the miracle could have looked a lot different. Again, the bread could have just like flew to the people and landed in their plates. The bread could have just appeared in, before them. There's, I don't know, 20,000 people there. Have you seen like Cape Town Stadium? That's 50,000 people. Maybe there were 50,000 people. I don't know, because there were all the kids. Can you imagine 12 guys trying to give all those people food? So Jesus could have just done another miracle and the food just appeared. But no, again, Jesus is not only like, you go and feed them. Jesus didn't only ask them, what do you have? Jesus say, here's the food. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to break it. And guess who's going to hand it out? You. And these guys start walking around. They start giving people bread and people start eating and they have enough. And they start giving people fish and they eat and they have enough. And finally, the disciples are like, okay, everyone had enough, but there's food everywhere. And my mom told me that I should not waste food because there's hungry children in Africa, right? So they go with their baskets and they walk around and they pick up everything. And guess what? There is one basket left for each one of them. They started out with five fish and with five loaves of bread and two fish. They ended up each one with a basket full of food. Jesus could have just made enough food so everyone had enough. But I think he wanted them to have those baskets in their hands so that they could understand what their own limitations could turn into if they give it over to God. 
You see, when we run a relay race the wrong way, when we run and we drop that baton too early, we will lose the race. If we hand it over too late, guess what? You'll also lose because your hand will already have gone past the guy in front of you. So again, he won't be able to grab the, grab the baton, so he won't be able to run on. You see, at the end of the day, a relay race is about a perfect partnership between four people. And that is at the end of the day, I think what God wanted to show the disciples. Yes, there's a lot of need in the world. Yes, people are spiritually hungry and lost. Yes, people are sick. Yes, people are demon-possessed. The disciples had to face that later and sometimes they struggled with it. Yes, it is a hard city to invite your friends in, to church in. Yes, it is sometimes difficult to show up to church at three o'clock to help start setting up. Yes, you've got your limitations and you're tired and you feel like you don't have enough money. But guess what? When you run the race in partnership with God and you hand over that baton at the right time and God takes it, he will multiply whatever you have so that his purpose can be achieved. Not yours, not mine, his purpose. See, God wanted them to have those 12 baskets so that their faith could increase. And I want to tell you, I think one of the most amazing places where our faith increase is when we get to a place where I know my own limitations will not get me any further. And if I don't hand over, I'm going to lose. If I don't have over, hand over, I won't be able to make a difference. But when I hand over at the right time, whatever I had, like the little knowledge I had, the little bit of sympathy I had to help a friend who was mourning, the little bit of food that I made to help some, that I made to help someone who was in need and didn't have time to prepare it, the little bit of money that I gave to the church because it was all I could give. The, the little bit of words that I spoke to tell someone about my love for Jesus or to invite them to church, that little bit, when we give it to Jesus, it becomes a basket full and it grows our faith. Their faith grew. And I think Jesus also wanted to, to show them how their impact could increase when they had more faith. I want to tell you when we trust God with a little bit we have, when we allow God to change our limitations into His potential, you and I have no idea where our impact can stop. And you might be sitting here in your own life and you feel like you can't sort that out. So what can you mean? What can you do in a country with so many needs? I want to tell you, if we have the faith to journey with God, to trust Him as a church and to make a difference in society, not just to say we want to be a difference, but to actually make the difference that we talk about. When we're willing to do that, He can increase our potential and we have no idea where our impact could end. You have what it takes. How do I know that? Because God created you. You're not an accident. You're not here by chance. God made you because He had a plan for your life. And He has given you all the talents, all the gifts, all the resources, all the intellect, all the courage, and all the grace you need to live the life that He has called you to live. You just need to be willing to give that next step and to say, God, I want to journey with you in partnership. 
I'm not going to hand over to you and say like, I'm going to sit back and do nothing. And I'm also not going to hold on to it myself and say like, I can sort this out myself. I'm going to run in partnership with God so that the impact we can make in this world will increase tenfold and twentyfold and hundredfold. Let's pray. Jesus, you know how often we feel a little powerless. We look around us and we see so much need and our hearts are often filled with compassion. But our own limitations is just so much that we feel like we can't make a difference. We feel so weighed down, so burdened that we don't have the strength to help anyone else in need. But I pray today, Lord, that you will fill us with courage to start handing out that bread and that fish. That we will have the courage to meet a need wherever we see it, not because we know that we are capable of doing it all ourselves, but because we know we serve a God who does not see limitations, but who sees potential. I pray, Lord, for whatever we need to meet needs in our lives and in our families and community, whether that's skills or talent or strength or more grace. I pray that you will just equip us and multiply that in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.